So lovely to meet you. Pleasure. How are you? Good, thank you. Oh, look at your background. Oh, I know this. This is supposed to be my podcast office, but I think now it's my wife's uh, jewelry design workshop. Hell yeah, dude! <laughs> I'm like, I want to see the jewelry. It's one of those great, like, subtle ways of actually selling her work. You're like, oh, you like that? Yes, Here's exactly. She has these kind of, um, she has, she designed these, the all-seeing eye coins, she calls them. And um, she has, she puts these crystals on it. It's, it's, it's amazing what she can do, but they're all hand-created. So she does it all by herself. Um, we're just actually That's starting insane. to launch it. So it's, so it's, uh, it's exciting. That's so cool. Congratulations. Tell her congratulations from me. Thank you. Um, I, I take it you watched England yesterday, uh, whenever it was yesterday. I'm just in a blur. <laughs> Dude, seriously, it's like, I mean, growing up in England, you know, the amount of times we've been in penalty shootouts, the second we ended up in penalty shootouts, I was like, oh, we're lost. Yeah. Like, I hate, I, I'm not, an, I am literally not a negative person. You can come to me and say, hey, I've got this. I'm like, oh my God, you've got this. But for some reason, when it came to the penalties, I'm like, oh shit, we're done. Yeah. Like, how many times have we been here? How many times as a kid has my heart broken? that we've lost in penalty shootouts i know i was in a british pub so i was it was bittersweet for me because i was drunk mm-hmm. and i had a great time but <laughs> like you know like i had the whole euros it's actually been quite enjoyable consuming i'm not gonna lie i don't you know i'm, I'm happy it's over now because it's just it t- takes up so much time but i was just i knew as soon as as soon as we scored that that goal in the first two minutes i was like ah now we're going to try and hold the lead Instead of trying to attack the game and it just kind of broke down towards the end and then the penalties, I was like, when you have a central defender as second up in the penalty taking, you know you're in trouble. I know. Oh, God, it was, yes. So it was heartbreaking. And then me, my husband and my sister-in-law, we play video games together. And we have like this fire team. So we totally lost. We watched it, heartbroken. We sit down, we're like, all right, let's just game. And then our first game, we were it's up to the um, first to four, and we were losing 3-0. So they just had one. And I was like, really? I was like, we've got this. So we end up playing, and we win four matches in a row, and we beat them. And I was like, <laughs> England need to have done that. <laughs> You're, what's, what's, what's in your background? Are those? Ah, what would you like to see? Are they sideshow collectibles? These are, well, so a couple of things. So I've got um, some figurines. So yeah. we've got... Um, from uh, Terminator, the female wolf, can't mm-hmm. remember her name, um, Super, uh, Wonder Woman, got a bunch of that, got a bunch of um, manga, a mm-hmm. bunch of, um, and then we do our own comic books. I don't know if you know that, but mm-hmm. our whole mission of the company, um, we started on the digital side, but our goal really is to create content that um, spans in comic books, animations. Like our main goal is to actually impact young kids between 10 and 15. Yep. So we got into the comic book game, but then we've transitioned since COVID onto Webtoons. Not sure how much you know about that. Mm-hmm. But um, so, yeah, these are actually our own comic books here. Um, we teamed up with Steve Aoki, so we have a comic book with him. It's amazing. Um, and then just some of the books on female brain and books that have really helped me, um, you know, kind of be the woman I am today and not allowing the negative thoughts, you know, um, run my life. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I've got books like that. And then like, and then just children's superhero books, like the first book of girl superpowers. How can you not freaking mm-hmm. love that shit? 
I used to um I used to collect figures like that and I sold them all to to fund my move to LA which was kind of heartbreaking but it, it had to be done. Yeah. Is that where you are now then you live in LA? I live in Los Angeles, yeah. Got mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, well, I'm, I'm I'm a Hackney boy originally, so Hackney. Did yes. you go to Hackney school? I went to a school called Stoke Newington, uh secondary school. Of course. Yeah. That that was actually a bit rough growing up at least where i grew up from it was like stoke newington was known as the rough neighborhood oh no so stoke newington for us was nice um stoke newington because i lived in stanford hill which is an absolute shithole mm. um, <laughs> it's not anymore but it was when i was growing up i was up. gonna say now it's not yeah absolutely um okay should we should we should we dive in should we just Let's do it okay um i want to welcome the amazing uh lisa billiou to the in my feels uh podcast uh, Lisa is the co-founder and president of Impact Theory, a digital media production company focusing on on empowering content, uh, which I love. I love everything you do. Uh, in addition to co-founding Impact Theory, Lisa co-founded the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition 10 years ago. Her career trajectory has been uh, an astonishing arc from housewife to entrepreneur and transforming her business focus from nutrition to entertainment media. And now, jumping in front of the camera, Lisa hosts an amazing show called Women of Impact that centers on, centers on all things female empowerment. And usually how we start the show is, you know, thoughts, feelings, emotions, conditionings, everything on the inside creates your outside exterior. So my question for you, Lisa, is how are you feeling right now in this moment? Oh, excited. Amazing. Me too. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little nervous because, um, I, I, I mean, I've had a ton of great guests on. Um, and I've kind of shifted my focus to kind of doing my own episodes, which was kind of, again, getting out of my own head and actually doing the actual, you know, cause it's, I like the, the conversations between two, but when you're conversating with yourself, it's a completely different, um, experience. So I'm someone who builds on experiences. So, um, I love that you're, you're excited. I'm, a, I, I'm kind of in that place. I woke up disappointed this morning. Because obviously we spoke about oh, the, we spoke about the football, which yes. is you know before I was like, well, if England win, what do I actually win? And if England lose, what do I actually lose? <laughs> and I was like, nothing. That's really powerful. And what was interesting is when you said, well, you know, and I was like, oh God, what did he tell me? Because <laughs> because actually, what's interesting is I'm the type of person, and only because I've trained myself to be like this. But once bad news hits me interpret it and then freaking let it go and move on. So literally when you're like, I woke up really sad. I was like, Oh my God, why? And when you said the football, I was like, Oh yeah. Because in that moment, once we lost, I just told myself, well, this sucks. All right. I'm not going to let it ruin my day. It sure isn't going to help, you know, ruin my week. So, you know, let it go and move on. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing has changed. (laughs) I I love that. (laughs) It's, it's, it's funny because I think we're, we're creatures of, we are creatures of habit. So if you're thinking negatively all the time, it's a conditioning. It's something that you have to break for it to become not a habit of it. Um, and I think, I, I don't know if you've ever read Atomic Habits. Yes, uh, I love that book. Incredible book. And I was like, wow, I've been, well, not now I don't, because again, just the whole training thing that you always talk about is I've trained myself to now think positive. And it's mm-hmm. taking a long time for me to get where I am now Whereas, you know, one negative thing can come in. I can be like, that's okay. It's just a negative thing. That's fine. Because there's a thousand other positive things in my life, which is the appreciation factor. Um, I want to dive in on kind of the the kind of, I, I love your story. I love where you came from. The kind of, you know, 
as you say, the, the from housewife to you know a billion dollar industry that you built up. Um, I want to dive in on that and the kind of your process or your key principles of of how that worked for you and, and why you think it worked for you. Of w- which specific thing worked? The kind of the kind of the transition. I guess I, I like to dive right. in on the emotion. So because mm-hmm. you know I believe thoughts become things and all that type of stuff. So I, if I control um, my thoughts. I control my outside exterior, which which I'm my own social experiment, and I and I put those out into the ether. Just the kind of, I guess, the notion of being in, as a housewife, which you you kind of portray as someone who was unhappy at that time, and then transitioning into the kind of business world from the ground up, and how you were feeling during that whole process. Yeah, um, I, I love this topic, and this actually, I just made an announcement today, in fact, about that I'm writing a book, and I'm writing it on this very thing, because for the eight years, and when I say I was a housewife, I really do want to make it clear that there's nothing wrong with that in any way, shape, or form. It's just, it didn't make me happy, and it wasn't the life that I really wanted, and that's the key thing. It's like, if you really want that, you need to go after it with utter ferocity and freaking love it, and don't let anybody tell you different. I just didn't want it, and I ended up there forever eight years and I go like looking back now how did I stay somewhere that I wasn't happy that I wasn't fulfilled for eight years I mean think about like that as a prison sentence imagine I said to you oh by the way you're about to go to prison for eight years that's a really freaking long time (laughs) so um you know how did I end up then how did I stay there and I've really been assessing this and I think a big key is I never hit rock bottom a lot of people that that I've interviewed, that I've had the pleasure of talking to, their big transformation came from hitting rock bottom. It's sadly, it was either suicide or, you know, abuse or something so traumatic, a divorce, losing a child, like whatever, it was something so traumatic that like almost snapped them awake. I didn't have that. And so I look back now and I said, okay, well, how did I get myself out of it. And I actually ended up stumbling into it. Like my husband was profoundly miserable. He was chasing money for eight years. I was the stay at home wife for eight years. We initially had the goal. We were going to make movies. Oh, let's just finance our own film. Cool. How do we do that? Oh, it shouldn't be hard to make a bit of money. That's how the story started. You blink eight years go by. I'm now a stay-at-home wife, have nothing to do with movies at all. My husband is now chasing money. It's not making him happy. It has nothing to do with movies anymore. And so it just became to the final point. It was like, what are we doing? We're literally selling our souls for money and we're not even there and we're both miserable. So, you know, money doesn't buy happiness. We're chasing it and we're both miserable. Screw it. What does happiness actually look like? And, you know, so we're like, we just want to be together. We want to be doing something every day that fulfills us. Um, so, you know, to cut a really long story short, he came up with the idea with his business partners to do a protein bar. And I had gone back into, okay, cool. Like if this is what's going to make you happy, now I'm going to be happy too. Thinking I would get my happiness through my husband. Mm-hmm. And so they started a company and they're like, oh, we're going to start a protein bar company. Shouldn't be too difficult because I was a stay at home wife. Do I mind just helping out? And in that moment, it was, oh, and by the way, do you mind helping out? And if you don't, we lose the house because our house was up for collateral. So that's where the story, in essence, begins, where I get, oh, okay, I can you know, ship a couple of bars from my living room floor. No big deal. Of course, I'll help my husband. I'm a good Greek wife. I had slipped <laughs> into that because I was conditioned from a kid to be the good Greek wife. So I slipped into it, became it, like embodied it would like almost force myself to be proud of it. And so my husband says, Hey, do you mind shipping bars? Of course I will. Now, every time I did that, every time I did something and helping the company and I didn't know what I was doing or something became difficult. Once upon a time, I may have just ran away or been like, Oh, well, 
you know, I can't do that. But my house was on the line. So every time it became, oh, hey, we're growing. You need to now figure out how to ship bars from, you know, uh, on a pallet. And, and now you have to do deals because we have to do international shipping. All these things, I had no clue what I was doing. I just taught myself because I didn't want to lose my house. And my I, I was so proud or I had told myself that the glory I got every day was I'm a good Greek wife. I'm a good Greek wife because I wanted to feel good about myself. So I had to wake up every day, holding on to some type of identity. You even say, said, right, identity and emotion make all the difference. So for that eight years, I was holding on to being the good Greek wife, thrust into helping quest. Every day I was facing my inadequacies. Every day I was facing my own ego because I had no idea what I was doing, but we were growing at 57,000%. And so when you grow that fast, we literally went from, I was shipping bars. I was just helping out my husband, remember, from my living room floor to, you know, less than two years later, I had, you know, a shipping department of 10,000 square feet. I had 40 employees underneath me and I was running an entire department with $80 million of inventory coming and going from my department alone. I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) And so I just thrust myself into it. And so emotionally, every time I would have once upon a time have run in the opposite direction to prevent my ego from being dented because I didn't feel good about myself because we all, I think, want to feel good about ourselves. So we tell ourselves a story that help us get through the day. I, I, did, I, would, did, I wasn't allowed to give myself that luxury anymore because our house was on the line. So that's how I started to mentally transition to be, okay, well, I can keep learning. I can keep learning to then go, wow, I really love learning. And the person that used to run from a challenge because I was so protective of my ego, I'm now the person that runs in front of a challenge with my hand waving high saying, hey, I want to give this a shot because I understand what's on the other end, right? The, The struggle is real. The hardship is real. But when you come out the other end, wiser, better for it with a new fresh scar, because a lot of time you end up failing, those scars become a part of you. Mm -hmm. And so that's now the shift in perspective that we were talking about earlier. I can't remember if that was on or off camera, but the shift of the perspective of, okay, I can, I can do this. I really can do this. And I just have to be willing to fall on my face. I just have to be willing to hit a brick wall, to stumble, to dust myself off. But if I'm willing, I really can do it. And that is how I really went from, you know, where I was profoundly unhappy to now living a life that I love every day. It's not that I'm succeeding every day. In fact, it's the opposite. But I've learned to love the pursuit of learning and the pursuit of greatness versus actually being perfect and great um, and the end goal. I love that. It's the, it's, it's the enjoying the process. A thousand percent. Yeah, that's kind of a, it's, you know, because I, I, I think a lot of my listeners, because um, I, I mean, I, I have a spiritual approach to things. And it's practical spiritual. I'm not, you know, from a spiritual background. Not, I'm not from a religious background. Any of these type of things. I'm practical. It's like if I can think about $100, I know $100 is coming. The only mm-hmm. thing stopping $100 coming to me is my resistance to the fact of how the fuck is $100 going to come to me. <laughs> no, I'm so uh, again, yeah. I, I'm my own social experiment. You know, I used to, you know, be at a publishing company. I used to work super long hours away from my door, all these type of things. And I, and I, and I sat there and I said, I don't want to do that anymore. I just don't mm-hmm. want to do it. I don't want to be away from my family. I don't want to be away from my wife. I want to, I love being home. And then the universe started changing. And then obviously COVID happened. I'm not saying I'm the direct thing of that, but we individually, imagine how many thoughts and emotions go through your head on a daily basis 
we are collectively creating the exterior of everything in our lives. I'm, you know, I'm not sure how much you, you dive into that, but I get a sense of some spiritualness from, from, from your videos of, of the kind of accountability within yourself. And, and that's what, yes. what we portray on, on, on my, on this show is, is it's you. And, you know, I don't, I don't beat around the bush or, or, you know, bring this kind of magic to it. I'm, your thoughts and emotions are, are, are what are your magnet to everything. And you are the driving force for you. And I love that you express that in, in pretty much all the videos you do and kind of the background you come from, from, you know, the, the kind of cultural background to being, you know, the housewife and then from, from the housewife to running a billion dollar business. And, and as you said, it's the learning of it and the experience of it. And I think that's why we're here is to learn from our experiences, not necessarily to learn as in to say, you know, this is a school. This is not what, you know, we're here to learn who we want to become. Mm, I love that. You know, um, I, cause I, that you, you say something actually, I saw it in one of your videos. Um, I'm, I'm going to quote you actually. I have just changed my life because I've changed the way I think. Yeah. But- yeah. Um, and I, it's interesting that you call that spirituality. I actually don't necessarily, but I'm not sure why, like that doesn't like, um, sit wrong with me. So that's actually a really interesting perspective, but yeah. And, it, it really did come from waiting for other people. Like I was the person that wasn't taking ownership. I was the person that was looking for other people to either give me the life I wanted to either change my life or make me happy. You know, for those eight years, I was looking to my husband every day to come home and make me feel a certain way about myself. And I actually realized that's not fair on him. Like, let alone like even myself, right? About giving, you know, I know it's kind of a little cheesy about giving your power away, but it is so freaking true. And it's like, now that I think about it, apart from the fact that that's just so such a bad strategy as an individual to do, give your power away to someone else, to think about the pressure for him, that he's just had a hard day that he has to show up to make me feel a certain way. Like it just didn't make sense. And so once I started to realize that and started to realize I wasn't able to make myself profoundly happy. And then why? It did come back to the thought. It came to the thought of, well, this is this is my life, right? Me being a housewife is my life. No, no. I've just told myself that's my life. But what if I told myself that I deserve more? Can I now act in accordance? Will I change my behavior that's now going to lead to a different outcome? You know, the, the Einstein quote, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. So <laughs> it's it's like, it is that simple. You do the same thing and expect a different result. That's insanity. So if you can embrace that and accept it, go, oh, okay, I'm not happy with my life. I want to change it. Okay, so then I have to change my actions. And how do I change my actions? I have to have a different belief system that allows me to. And that then caused me to actually start to identify what is my current belief system? Because that's the powerful thing is I didn't even realize the things I believed. And so this is right. you almost like, um, oh God, one of my favorite stories is, um, I can't even remember whose story, uh, oh, David Foster Wallace story about the fish. I don't know if you know it, but it's like one day the two little fishes are swimming and, you know, they're swimming along and a big fish is approaching them on the other direction. And as they swim by, the big fish goes to the little thing, what up boys, how's the water? <laughs> and so they keep swishing along and it's like, oh, great. And then one of the little fish turns to the other fish and says, what the hell is water? David Foster Wallace. It means you are so surrounded by it, you don't even know it exists. Yeah. That to me is our belief 
belief system. You so believe it. You don't even realize it's a belief you have. And that that belief stemmed from somewhere. So that's where I said, okay, what do I believe? And then where did that belief actually stem from? Is it something I actually believe? Or is it something that was passed down through generations through my family? Is it something that I was taught as a kid through school? Like, why do I actually believe this? And then you start to peel it away. But I think it's important to do with no judgment. Like, don't feel bad about why you believe something if you then realize, oh, I shouldn't have believed that, right? Like, like nothing is with, you know, it should absolutely be with no judgment. And so I started to peel back. Why do I believe this? Why do I believe that? And like, even my husband, I was brought up Greek Orthodox. I was never asked ever why I believed in God. And my husband on like our second day, he turns to me and he's like, oh, so why do you believe in God? Because mm-hmm. he was inquisitive, not because he was trying to challenge me. And that's mm-hmm. another thing is that someone's just genuinely asking a question. And he did. And it caught me so off guard. And I literally stopped and I was like, um, because my dad told me to. Mm-hmm. I was 21 at the time. And I'm like, I believe in God because my dad told me. Like, that's the most ridiculous answer ever. So that goes to, why do we believe the things we do? Why do we believe that this exists? And then say, does it serve me? Like, does this belief that I have right now solve the goal? Uh, serve the goal or the dream or the life that I want to have. And if it doesn't, how can I now change this belief system to empower me to take action towards that goal and dream that I want? Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. I love that fish story too. I've I've kind of, I felt like I've heard that, but then because my mind's racing of, of all, uh, you know, I think it's uh, things only started clicking for me when I understood that I'm a living, breathing thing who's alive on this revolving planet traveling through, you know, we have, we, and the, the more I learn about the world, I realized I don't know anything about anything. And I said, this is great. The more I learn, the less I know. <laughs> and, and, and I, because that used to scare me, you know, the unknown or the great unknown, or like you said, you know, taking that step from, from being a certain way and expecting the outcome to be different and then actually taking the action to make sure that that outcome is different. It's a scary fucking thing. It can be a scary thing. And then once you kind of overcome that, that's kind of where everything starts moving for you or you become in accordance to, to your beliefs and you, the kind of living truth factor, which kind of comes on to my next point, because I know you speak a ton about living your truth. Yeah, 100%. I think it's, re- yeah, I mean, and the reason why I think living your truth is important is because I wasn't for so long. And I was thought I should be a good Greek housewife and I thought I should be at home supporting my husband and I thought that I was being almost too selfish by saying what I wanted because I kept saying you know will other people have it worse yeah I really think that that's so important and it really did for me come from the fact that I didn't for so long and you know I thought I was living a life that I should live and I thought that I was you know being someone that I should be and that I couldn't ask for more and it when I say all this I actually don't blame anyone but myself like going back to the ownership thing it doesn't serve me to say oh but my dad told me when I was a kid and my grandmother yes they all did like I could tell you the stories that are insane like on my wedding the night before my wedding my grandfather calls me into his room sits me on his bed and he's been you know at that point married for like 70 years and I'm he's about to give me the words of wisdom I'm like oh my god this is gonna be good and he turns around in Greek and he's now now remember obey your husband that was his advice obey your husband now it's it's 
just goes to show you just like how for so long, imagine as a young kid, you're told that over and over. So I, but so I don't blame anyone though, because now I'm an adult. So now it's up to me to make that change. It's about, it's up to me to identify why I think like that, but then ask myself if it doesn't serve me, am I going to change it? And that's now in my, you know, in my hands. So, um, and I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I think you summed it up. I mean, cause I, you know, cause I used to have, I guess, confidence issues like yourself, you know, what actually gave me confident, I, you know, I don't know if they have that in the U- US or, or anything, but obviously speaking to a fellow Brit, um, you know, I used to be a T-boy or a runner or whatever they want to call it at, at a printing firm. And I remember almost, I don't know, I wouldn't say being bullied because that would be, an, maybe it would, would, would be bullied, but it actually taught me uh, of how to use my voice. Because, you know, mm. someone would say something to me and I'd just let it go and then it would hurt me and then it would fester in myself. And, and then one day I blew. And, and I remember mm. someone who just went in on me and I was just like, you know what, fuck off. Leave me alone. Mm. And after that, I was like, and they did. And I was like, what the fuck? I have a voice. <laughs> I was like, I, that's I, me. I have a voice. And then from then I was like, that's when the confidence started building. And I was like, I was like, wow, you actually have to say what's on your mind. It, not in a hurtful way, but in a way that portrays how you're feeling. And then that's when I, you know, I start talking more and more about my feelings instead of keeping them in. So therefore, my mind mm. is, is eerily quiet because uh, I'm always speaking about my thoughts. Yeah, no, that's actually really powerful. And I think that that was it is not allowing, um, not pushing my own thoughts aside anymore as if they were invalid and other people's words are more valid than my own, you know? And so it's like, okay, well, to, in order to do that, I think you have to give space to your, the voice in your head and say, okay, like, instead of trying to shut it down, like I tried to shut the negative voice down and I just couldn't do it. So instead I was like, okay, well, maybe it's trying to tell me something instead of trying to push it out. Like, I would say like, ah, like invite it over for a cup of tea, you know, like tea and biscuits and like actually sit down with it and say like, maybe it's trying to tell me something that I'm so trying to protect my ego over. I'm not willing to listen, but now what if it's trying to help me? What can I listen to? And so taking that, what it's saying um, and then passing through it and say, okay, is there any value? validation to this if it's saying you know hey Lisa you you know you have no right to walk into that room what the hell do you know about any of what they're going to talk about maybe my negative voice is right and maybe it's like oh shit Lisa you're not prepared and so now it's forcing me to listen to it go get prepared and then come back with um you know utter like with being more prepared but until you're able to listen to the voice allow it to speak and I think it comes right back down to being your true self because I was so worried about being my true self I wouldn't allow it to come through um but in order to do that allowing it to come through allowing to kind of speak up I started to realize oh look I'm not alone. Funny, f- funny that, that I'm not the only female in this world that has a negative voice that like, you know, that, that I listen to it. So now it just becomes, wow, why can't we actually all just bond over this? Why can't we support each other in the fact that we all struggle from this? And it's really been, you know, beautiful to see um, more and more podcasts and more and more people open to talking about, you know, anything from, you know, um, mental illness or, you know, any depression and anxiety and things like that. All of that's real. And I think that all comes from, our worry of judgment, our worry of not being accepted. And because of that, I told myself, you're just gonna have to be you because I have so much anxiety 
trying to pretend and hide the real me that I was like, it doesn't, I might as well just be me. And if people like it, they like it. And if they don't, then they don't. And that was almost, you know, and you hear it so often, but that was when everything started to change for me when I was just embracing the real weird quirky me. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's, it's, I, I, I'm the same. Cause you know, I used to, my head used to be too heavy for my body and weighed down by so much shit. And I realized, wow, it was me. You know, there's, there's these outside things that you can kind of blame for the way you feel, but essentially it's you feeling them. Um, mm-hmm. And it's funny because I've been, I've been diving in on this, this book called Conversations with God, which is like, it's not really a religious text. I'm not religious at all, but I've started to research every religion. Like I studied Buddhism for a little while. Mm-hmm. I studied solely the teachings of Jesus, you know, um, and what made him so powerful. Just, it was literally just the things he said. It wasn't about Christianity or any of that type of stuff. And Conversations with God is, is a guy who's severely depressed, who writes a, an emotional letter to God and someone answers him back in his own head. And this book is the dialogue between his mm. inner, whatever you want to call it. And he says this thing about, um, cause you know, everyone's always saying, think before you act, but he, but God in the book says, act before you think, <laughs> because you know, what you just described then of, of, you know, going into the room and then this inner voice telling you, well, maybe you're not prepared, not all this type of stuff. Cause that happens on, on many times. And the amount of times that that inner voice talks you out of something that could potentially be so beneficial for you. But, you, and it happens to me all the time. Now I'm like, oh, what was my initial thought? Step into the room. Mm. And then, and then you, if you haven't stepped in the room, it's like, well, when you step into the room, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to do this podcast. Do I have the right questions? Do I do this? this, this? You're good. You know, you're, you've done it before. This is not the first room you've stepped in. So, yeah. so now I'm, I'm starting to live this of act before you think. Ooh. I don't know if I agree with you. This is interesting. So here's the thing. The way you just broke it down, I'm with you, dude, 100%. The problem is when you're not emotionally sober, it can be super dangerous because you're going to get people, let's say when you're angry, when you're upset and you act before you think, and that's where things come or you, you know, you say something before you think that's where the, this, maybe the scared person inside you will, will speak before it's thought like it hasn't filtered yet. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very raw emotion that you may not mean, but yeah, I call it emotional sobriety because I find it very difficult in moments of stress, pressure, frustration to stay emotionally sober. And when I'm personally not emotionally sober, I know that's the worst time to be around anyone and so I almost have like these my own internal emotionally sober radar which is like if it starts to you know go in the orange and go in the red that's when I'm like you know beep, 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 mm-hmm. alarms going off run and um, and because I know in those moments I can't articulate I can't I won't if I talk to you frustration's gonna come out and so sometimes I'm like there is you shouldn't act like do not say anything walk away do not like do not say what your mind is thinking because in hindsight a couple of hours from now, I'm going to be glad that I didn't say what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's, so that's where I'm. And, uh, and I agree with you there. You're right. And, and, and now I would lead into my next point of, I have another thing. So when I get to the position that you're in, when you, when you could be in a position to hurt someone is, I always ask the question, which is from the book too, is what would love do? And it could be anything. It could be a business decision. It could be uh, talking to your, uh, your best friend, having an argument with your husband or kids or whatever. And you sit and you take a break and you say, well, what would love do? And I guarantee you what you just, it would be the opposite. So when you say, I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm scared of what I would say, well, what would love say? 
and it wouldn't say those those things, it would probably just walk away from the situation. Um, because we, as humans, I think we have two two emotions: fear and love. Those are, those are just, and and everything else becomes in those spectrums: anxiety, depression, you know, um, happiness, love, all these type of things. They all fit in those kind of two spectrums of the fear and love. You know, anything that you question in regard to anything is out of fear or the ego or however you want to call it. And anything that you perceive, again, it's not the romanticized love of, you know, the Disney movies. Love can just be enjoying this conversation that falls into the love spectrum. Um, it's not the madly, deeply love that, you know, this is the, the, that the kind of outside world is portrayed on what actual love is. Love is just being okay with you. Um, and so I always operate like that. So now it's the double whammy of, you know, act before you think. What would love do? And two emotions are the fear and love. But I'm, I'm at a plateau in my life where I've learned from the experiences and I'm not rotating the same cycles over and over again. Mm. And I'm just trying to portray that type of experience to, to people listening and anyone who kind of, um, I guess, I get the same kind of notions from you when you give the, the, the speeches and the living of your truth. And it's kind of different mentalities, but it's the same path. Mm. Yeah, 100%. I think just for me though in those moments I cannot de-escalate like that's actually one thing that I've really been working on and you know I, I used to kind of get very upset and then that would stay with me and you know I don't know how many people can relate I'm assuming quite a lot where you get really <laughs> upset and it's just hard to shake off right and it's before you know it three four hours have gone and you're still in that emotional state so that's why I'm always like whenever I'm in almost any emotional state I try to step away from the situation um, even if I'm having an argument with my husband. So my husband's my business partner. So we definitely try to separate the way we handle conversations actually when we're in business versus um, in a relationship. I don't, I can't even remember if I've ever cried in a business meeting with him, but, um, but when it's a personal thing, I'm not much of a crier, but let's say we were heating and I was finding myself being getting more and more emotional. I would even then walk away because I understand at least for me, the power of emotion over someone else. And I'm, always trying to get to the truth i never want to um you know um, sweep something under the rug i if there's a problem in my relationship if there's a problem in my marriage if there's a problem in my business i must address it until i'm down to figuring it out what's the conclusion how do i solve it next time and let's move forward and so with my husband when we're in a debate or an argument when i'm not emotionally sober i have to pause the discussion and he's like but babe you don't have to hide your tears you don't have and i'm like no no because i don't want you to back down i don't want you to say sorry i don't mm -hmm. want you to apologize in those moments because you see me upset because it won't solve the argument so right now i'm very emotional i know that i will my emotions will have a certain way of you so give me 10 15 minutes let me walk away and let me come back that's how I found it so powerful like so powerful mm -hmm. to take and again it's not ignoring emotions that doesn't serve you either but knowing when to walk away and not use the emotions in that moment um because it won't give me the outcome I really want for the longevity of let's say my relationship with my husband sweeping problems under the rug I just know won't solve it so that's why um so yeah so with emotion I just have to step away when I'm feeling such an intense emotion like that mm -hmm. I love that I uh, it's you know I stopped doing as well which which was a, a hindrance for me was separating business and, and home life it just mm. is my life I mean, there is no, you can't, you can't really separate, you know, if you take your work home or you're at work, you'd be like, well, this is work me. And when I get home, this is home because I did have that with previous relationships and it was terrible. Absolutely mm. just did not work. Now it is, 
this is my life. There isn't no work because I don't have work. I don't, I don't have a job where it's work for me anymore. It's, mm. it's, I've let go of the kind of notion of I have to do this to achieve this kind of thing. And just, again, the spiritualness in me is just, I'm the master and commander of my ship. So therefore mm. it sails wherever I want it to go. Um, and to be honest, the less people in my life, the, the quicker that ship gets to its destination. Mm, interesting. Um, Weighing your boat down. Exactly. <laughs> but there's a, there's a there, you know, I, I, I'd love to dive into the kind of happiness aspect because I know you, you, you talk about this a lot and kind of the, 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 the happiness section. So for, for me, the happiness is a choice. Um, mm. You know, it's, it's obviously a natural, you can't say I'm going to be happy now, but I'm saying I can choose to stop being unhappy. Hmm. And, and it's those times of when you're most unhappy where you're like, oh, I missed the time when I was just okay or, or, yeah, or any of those type of things, you know. Um, and for me, my key to happiness is appreciation, you know, for the microscopic level of, you know, I woke up in bed. I woke up. Fuck. You know, mm-hmm. um, I have covers. I'm, I, I'm warm. Mm-hmm. You know, my daughter woke me up today at, you know, 5.45 a.m. She's fucking awake. This is great. <laughs> and, and then, you know, like I go to the fridge to get water. I have fucking water. You know, all those kind of little things that kind of become the conditioning of what the right. appreciation is, which leads to the happiness of when something bad comes in that you used to perceive as so fucking bad. You're like, well, that wasn't actually that bad. But just at yeah. the time you thought it was. What was kind of, what, I guess, your, your techniques for kind of achieving that state or keeping yourself in that state when you do your kind of positive videos and, and you had a shit day? What's your kind of process to help you with that? Um, so I think the first key is why do we think that happiness should be our default? Oh, like I mean, that's, but that's the thing, right? That's what I've reminded myself is yeah. that, hang on, happy, you don't, you as in like, I, and this is what I say to myself, like, why do I think I deserve happiness as my default and then anything less is gone wrong? Right? It's like, so I've just changed the perspective of that. And like, no, no, there are going to day, be days that I'm going to be happy and there are going to be days that I'm going to struggle. There are going to be days that I'm going to be sad. There are going to be days that, right? Like there are going to be those moments. And if I don't think that it should be the basic default, then when I'm not happy, I don't look at my life and go, oh God, there's something wrong. So, because I don't expect to be happy all the time. And the fact that I don't expect that when I am, because I've created it myself, I can be proud of it and I can lean into it. That goes back to then what life are you creating? because also another thing is i always say set yourself up for success like if you tomorrow said all right i'm going to wake up today and i'm going to be i can i can't play an instrument but by the end of today i'm going to be the best pianist in the world it's like well let's face it you're setting yourself up for disaster you're never going to do that so i always say how do i set myself up for success and the success for me is lisa don't put happiness as your default put happiness as something that you work towards every day and sometimes you're going to get it and when you do you need to enjoy it you need to lean into it and when you don't you also have to see what is your life and you know is there something there that can be beautiful i don't think something beautiful necessarily equates to happiness but can i find beauty in something Mm -hmm. today can i find empowerment in something today like if honestly i've had the shittiest day ever but can I find something empowering in that? That's amazing. I'm not seeking happiness in that. I'm seeking something else. So that's where it's like, I start to go to, I realized I was setting myself up for failure. If I thought that I should be happy every day, that if, if I didn't have happiness every day, then I was failing. And so that shift probably now is probably what you see. It's like, oh, you always look happy. It's like, oh no, I just, you know, I kind of like, okay, what can I do today? And I just pick myself up and I get excited over 
because I fall so much, I started to go, well, okay, I fall a lot. What if I could just give myself a pat on the back for falling? Like, mm-hmm. what would that look like? And so that doesn't bring me happiness, but it brings me pride. And so I hope that answers your question. Absolutely. Um, I think it's, that's great because it, for, especially for me, I mean, we have polarities in things, happiness, sadness, you know, up or down. So we know what the other is. Otherwise, we wouldn't, if we only had happiness in life, we wouldn't know what happiness was. Just like the kind of yeah. fish story, you know, there's water, mm-hmm. you know, because when you're in water, a fish wouldn't know then they're, they're not they're not in water unless they left the water. Yeah. Um, so it's the same kind of concept. But I love that. I love that kind of you're right, because see, for me, my highest my highest essence of myself is when I'm in joy or when mm-hmm. I'm in a moment, which is, to be honest, a, a regular thing, because, you know, I put as much I put probably put more work into the way I feel than I do about anything else or the way my, you know, my little girl feels or I have switched my focus. So, for example, of it's this notion of, you know, when you have kids, it's like, you know, you have to provide for them. But then but then it's the notion of, well, right now they only want your time. It's not about the providing. It's mm-hmm. not about you going to work all the hours and, you know, that's for you. Let's be serious. You may be trying to provide mm-hmm. for somewhere else, but the goal is for you to provide for them. But it's still you. I mean, they just want your time. So now I've switched my mental focus in my spirituality to be like, well, the more I raise my door, the more money I make. And what happens is the more I raise her and I feel like I've done a great job, the money starts coming in. And it's, and it's not a specific focus on one type of business. It's just the most random shit ever. I'm like, this. you could call me lucky, but I, I know that I am my luck. I make my own luck. It's not a, an ego thing because I, I meditate. I work on my state. I... You know, it's almost like um, uh, I, I'm going to read you one quote as well, because I'd love your, your kind of reaction to this. And, and, and it will probably be your initial reaction, which which I which I want to want to hear. Ooh. But, but the most loving person is the person who is self-centered. <laughs> that was good. I like that. That was really good. You can't. Yeah, you threw me a left ball there. That I was did. really good. Yeah, because you can't truly enjoy someone else until you're enjoying yourself quote no hell no i wish it was that that was again because i'm in i'm in heavy in this conversation with with god book and that Mm. quote came from this book it's not really it's it's literally god saying everything you've ever been taught about me is wrong i'm not a man or a woman i'm everything i Mm. i don't know who that you know he speaks about every single part of history every single part of everything you know he says you must first see your self-worth before you can see another as worthy you know, you must love yourself before you can truly, truly unconditionally love someone else, you know, with the no re- reciprocal because, you know, love now is is I love you because of this. Or, you know, like you said on your cultural background is I need to be a, a good Greek wife. That's you giving something to get something back or to make you feel like you are a good wife instead of making yourself feel good, which in, in turn will make everyone else around you feel good because you're feeling good. And that's what you're in. 100% or sometimes in all fairness though you'll get people that don't feel good when you do that but that's because it's now reflecting on them that they're not living their life that they want exactly and other people's opinions of you is not your business yeah I love that <laughs> so you know <laughs> so good <laughs> let's see um h- how do you deal with kind of mental health and the kind of Im- the importance of mental health or physical health what's kind of again your process because I know you, you you the health aspect is super important to you and the kind of, I guess, the, the, the mental health of the mind and everything else. I'd love to, to kind of dive in a little on, on that with you. 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, as a quick, very um, little backstory. So Quest has just been announced as a billion dollar company, second fastest growing company in North America, like it was literally like almost like the dream come true, right? You're doing a startup. Tom and I were literally, dro- we were driving around Beverly Hills when, you know, on Saturday nights when we were exhausted from, you know, start the startup company with a hairnet and you're like, why the hell are we doing this? And <laughs> we want to remind ourselves of why. So we would drive around Beverly Hills and we would like, you know, argue over what house we would get when we, we could finally afford it and like all of that sort of thing. And um, so we get, you know, we finally get the house, the dream, like it's actually coming true. And I took a bottle of champagne because we're celebrating and my gut felt like it exploded. That's the best way I can explain it. And this was about five years ago now. For almost a year, I could barely eat anything. So I've spent the last five years rebuilding my gut. I had, you know, it was very difficult to figure out what had happened to me, but I had leaky gut. I had a parasite. I had like all these things. I had SIBO, all these like gut conditions were developing over years and years. And so at the height of our financial success, at the fight of our publicly, everyone's like, oh my God, that's so exciting. And, you know, I'm supposed to be the epitome of health because we own one of like the, the fastest growing nutrition companies. I can't barely eat, which meant that I could barely stand up. I was 15 to 20 pounds lighter than I was now. My hair was falling out. My nails were brittle. I mean, it was really bad. And so in those moments, I got, I, I was so malnutritioned. I mean, for over a year. And again, I'm still fighting that battle now. I thankfully can eat now, but I have to do all still home-cooked food. I have to make sure that all the oils I eat. So health to me has become such a big thing. Now, what I started to notice as I started to eat less and less and I started to lose weight, I was getting really emotional. I was, we were still at Quest at the time. I was like breaking down in my husband's, you know, the restroom in my husband's office because he was being mean to me in a meeting. And it's like, what the hell is happening here? And he literally pulled me aside. And he was very honest because we have a very honest and open relationship. And he said, babe, he's like, you're not yourself. You're acting irrational. You're getting very emotional. And I understand why, but you need to be aware that this is happening. And that was really the biggest first step of understanding the connection between mind, the connection between the body, the connection between stress, the connection between self-care, the connection between the things that we eat, the way that we behave towards ourselves. And I wasn't loving towards myself. I was absolutely abusive with how I treated my body in the sense of, you know, they always say the grind of a startup. That was absolutely true. I was also very, very, um, inexperienced about understanding nutrition. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't replenishing my gut. I thought carbs and fat were really bad. So I was on just basically protein diet, which is, you know, the, if you know, low fat protein is called a rat, you can actually go through rabid starvation because there's not enough calories of fat for your body to sustain. Um, so I'd done it to myself. So in hindsight, I looked back and go, oh my God, that whole gut thing that happened, I'd done it to myself. And that was the realization I was looking for someone else to solve me. I finally realized that I did it to myself over the years. And then it was like, oh, this is the best news. If I did it to myself, I can get myself out of it. And that was the importance and the realization of eating well, doing physical exercise, not to look good, but to feel good. And that's when I stopped running on the treadmill. I stopped counting calories. I stopped weighing myself. And I just said, I'm only going to listen to my body, period. I don't know how many calories I eat now. I literally, I eat so much fat. I like 
stuff my face as much as I possibly can when I'm hungry. And then I don't eat when I'm not hungry. I don't weigh myself, except when I go to the doctors, I usually tell them now not to tell me my weight because I don't like even like to think about it because that's not the point, right? I just remind myself now, of what's the point? How do I feel? Okay, how do I assess how I feel? I sit there and I go, how's my body? Lisa, how are you doing up there? You happy? You stressed? What, what's going on, Lisa? Right? And I like talk to myself. And that is why and how I started to get into your mindset is everything. How you treat your body is everything. And I don't use the word self-love because it's a little too woo-woo for me. I've got like a bit of like, yeah, <laughs> go, go get it. But like, I do make sure that even when I'm in the gym and I'm lifting freaking heavy weights, I say to myself, do you need to take a break, Lisa? And if I tell myself no, I'm like, all right then get your shit together, right? And then I push myself again, but I allow myself these moments of listen to yourself. What are you saying? What do you actually need? And then do not judge yourself if it's telling you something that doesn't necessarily compute with how you want to show up. Like I want to show up every day and freaking crush it. I just do, that's my personality. But some days I can't. And some days on those days, I have to say, all right, today you can't, Lisa. And today you have to give yourself grace, which means you have to be kind to yourself, which means you have to take off the shirt that says grit and you have to put on a shirt that says be kind. And I actually have two shirts that say grit and be kind. And I will, and I will then adjust in accordance because how you show up every day with your mindset will literally dictate your outcome, the outcome on how you behave, the outcome on how your relationships are, because it will, it will affect how you treat people. Um, so it li- literally has this like knock on effect. And so my mindset and my self care is the most important thing to me before anything else. That's beautiful. I love that. You know what you just described too, not to bring in another religious connotation, but too many people focus on the crucifixion and not the resurrection. Um, and the crucifixion for you was, was the gut issue. The resurrection mm. was understanding that you were accountable for that based on the way you felt. And the resurrection is you understanding what you needed to do in order to counteract that, with the, which was what's happening within yourself. Stunning. That was, a, that was a great way of putting it. And yes, <laughs> just one more thing to actually lean on that thing is it's so true because if you say, there are some people that say like, if I look at myself and say, this is my fault, now I'm I'm ripping myself apart mm-hmm. and I can't handle that. So in order for me to stay strong, I'm going to put it, it on everyone else. I, I would just advise anyone that's listening because I used to do that and it didn't serve me. The biggest breakthrough was to say to myself, this is you. This is all on you, Lisa. And that's beautiful because now you have the power. You have the strength. You have the ability to change it. Instead of sitting there waiting for an external force to come my way. And in that shift in perspective, by taking the ownership, that that same thinking, right? The same, like nothing else has changed except, sorry, actually changing the way that I think. That's the only thing that's changed. And it got me to then behave in a way that has actually healed, helped heal me. Mm-hmm. I love that. I do that all the time. I change the, if, if something neg- negative comes in, I change it or question it enough until it goes away. Why is it negative? What, mm-hmm. what makes it negative? What, you know, it's my perception of it all the time. Um, and for me, there is no good and bad anymore. There just is. It just is the way it is. Um, especially because I understand the power that I have to create my whole existence. So therefore, it can only be me. In any, any shape mm. or form, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, because I don't know if you're, you're aware of the term manifestation and all these type of things. Um, you can't manifest for someone else. So when you when you seed out a negative something, you know, because we always do it, you know, you see someone on social media like, 
oh, you know, why is that person doing that? And I'm not doing this. And you're actually attracting the lack of into your existence instead of the actual positivity. But so when that comes in for me now, I change the thought completely. I'm not hiding Mm -hmm. it. I'm not burying it. I I, I see you. And that's not who I want to be. So therefore, I change the frequency. Um, I want to dive a little bit on on kind of dreams, just because you you talk a lot about, you know, um, once I achieve my dreams and all these type of things, because I I don't think I ever had dreams per se of, I'm I'm talking about physical dreams also of, you know, because I I used to, I've signed some of the biggest artists in the world, worked some of the biggest artists, it's always been my dream to be a singer. So I ask, you know, did you physically have dreams of you being a singer or is this something you want in life? Two different things. Mm. Um, cause I had this when, when I, again, when I left, left the kind of publishing post, I was there for six years and, you know, I knew I, that's what I wanted emotionally, physically, spiritually. I knew it was happening, even though, I, I mean, I was aware of the emotion behind it. I just didn't think it was going to happen as it did. And it was just like, you know, six years in, it's, it's pretty much all you've known at that time, six years. And, and then it just stopped. You had a roster of like 50 people and then all of a sudden you zero and you're like, Ooh, Okay. And then your, your, your body's trying to, your emotions are trying to interact with the way you feel or the physicalness is now gone. And I had this dream and I, I, I don't like open doors. And I speak about this on my podcast all the time. And it must be a respect thing to close a door when you leave the room. My mum would always say, you don't live in a barn. And I'm like, I don't know. I've never, really, <laughs> I've never really been to a barn. So I, I wouldn't know whether to close the barn door or not. Um, and so I, I closed all doors and in my dream, my utility room was open and it was dark and I went to close the door and a hand came out and grabbed me and I couldn't pull away. I couldn't scream. And I woke up and I was like, Ooh, okay, you need to let go of that. What you're thinking mm-hmm. and feeling right now. And I did the minute I did it, just this weight just lifted off me and opportunities started coming, other business ventures, other things that I wouldn't even have focused on if I hadn't have let go of where I was. Mm-hmm. Is there any kind of dreams that, or, or, or defining moments in those dreams or anything you can kind of pinpoint? I'd love to dive a little bit on, on that aspect of you. Um, not really. I mean, to be honest, you know, when you say dreams, it really is. Like, it's interesting, actually, now that you're making me think about the difference between a dream and a goal. Yes. That's actually very interesting. I haven't really thought too much about this, to be honest. But now you've really got me thinking. <laughs> um, I think maybe when I say dreams, and I actually love this, like when... I start to like learn. Why do I say that? I think it's allowing someone to get out of what is possible. And I think that's why I say dreams to other people because we get so caught up in, oh, well, that's not possible. Yeah, but I've got kids. I can't do that. Oh, but yeah, but I got an owner home. I can't travel. Oh, but right. It, like there, there's a million reasons why we can't live the life that we actually want. Like you, you literally come up with a million reasons. You'll come up with a million excuses of why you don't have it. So if I say dream, it almost eliminates any hurdles so if I said like what's your dream right you'd be like oh to be like you know in the NFL but if I said what's your goal you may not say that Mm -hmm. so if I say dream it is stripping away all the reasons you're giving yourself why you can't do it I've never actually thought about it thank you so much like I haven't really like come to like that's why like that that feels real to me and I think that we so get in our own ways, right? We tell ourselves why something isn't possible before we even try it. It's, you know, I get it. It's a way of our self-soothing ourselves to make sure, you know, on your dying, on your dying breath, when you're like, oh, but I didn't do that. Giving yourself a reason is like, it makes you feel better about not doing it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of get why we do. Um, but 
I don't think it serves us. I, don't, I think it keeps us in the purgatory of the mundane is exactly what I think it does. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. I mean, yeah, because I, I, I guess now I've stopped dreaming. I wouldn't say I, you know, because I, I have a practice where I, where I live in the now. So my mm. tomorrow is created now. My next minute from now is created now. And the past and the future is always created now. There is, there is factually, because I always bring practicality into, into it. Right now, is it, it, the past was created, literally right now, and the future is created now. So I don't tend to, I, I love every th- bad thing or perceived bad that's ever happened to me because I wouldn't be where I am right now having this conversation with you. Um, and I can't be anxious about the future because it doesn't fucking exist. Hmm. So do you not set any goals? Out of curiosity? I, I, no, I mean, like, my one goal in life is to main, not maintain, that would be the wrong thing, to stay with my family, with my, my wife and my daughter at all times. That is my goal, and that is what's happening right now. So, therefore, I can progress on that, but that's, now that's an expectation. So, when you expect mm-hmm. something, it's not, you can be disappointed by ex- unrealistic expectations, but when you expect something, it's like, you know, I, I ran into a ton of artists and, and, and they're like, you know, I want to be a billionaire. And I'm like, well, you have never experienced what being a billionaire is. So it's very mm-hmm. hard for you to understand what that lifestyle entails. This is what I'm saying. You learn from your experiences. So now I understand that I'm experienced and I'm, I keep leveling up. So my goal is to just keep leveling up consciously to understand the power that I have and the power that we all possess individually to change anything we want uh, with a flick of a switch if we apply our mental state you know, mind, body, soul, whatever you want to call it. Um, I, and I realized the accountability behind my, my myself. And I think mm. that is my one goal of, of to keep learning up, leveling up, learning. I fucking love learning. I used to hate reading books in school. And now I love books. I love that aha moment, like you said, when you were doing um, the kind of from, from being the housewife to, to shipping orders and then not having a fucking scoob of what you're doing. But the mm. learning process is what you started to thrive on of, well, I don't know it, but I'm going to fucking learn it. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at now. That, that's kind of my goal is to just to, to sponge and just to absorb everything around me to know that as I'm walking down the street, there's a beautiful pink flower that's just growing randomly or those little moments that keep me in the now. Um, and, and, and it's kind of like the do- my daughter tests me, which I love, of, you know, mm. the 5.45 a.m. wake up call. It's like, oh, fuck. But I'm like, no, 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 no. This is great. I'm awake now. Let's do something. That's cool. I love that. You know, um, Lisa, I, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute blessing. I think you're an amazing human being and, and person. Mm-hmm. And I love your, your positive um, energy that, that you kind of bring to everything you do and the conviction like um, of, I, you know, it's the belief. Of, it's not even like I believe you. It's I know you. You know what I'm saying? It's, the difference of the, I don't know you per se, but I know you in terms of you know what the fuck you're trying to do and there's conviction in it. And it's the truth behind it, which I always tell my audience that, you know, just live your truth. Do not conflict with the way you feel and what you say, because then you conflict within yourself. Um, and I want to talk about, you know, your kind of woman of impact, your new book. Um, I'd love to dive in a little on your new book um, and everything else. Just to kind of give a, give a scope to the listeners, and I'm super looking forward to listen uh, to reading it. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm just like going back to 
like, I'm just a learner. Like no one can take that away from me. And I think that's the thing is that I can't control the outside. I can't control how other people behave. I can't control how other people show up. I don't think any of us can. So I'm like, all right, what can I control? I can control me. I can control if I pick up a book, if I listen to a podcast, if I listen to something, and then if I implement it into my life, I can control how much I learn or how much I don't learn. No one has power over that. And so for me, it's, I love the learning process and I've never written a book before. And so when someone, um, oh, so when I, as I started to learn, I started to kind of really take over my own emotions. Everyone's, I started to get people to ask me questions and I was like, well, I don't know want to be in front of the camera. Like I'm too embarrassed. I got picked on for my looks. Like I, I shouldn't be in front of the camera. And as I started to talk about my nerves and, you know, the, the imposter syndrome, as people like to call it, of, you know, talking about things, more and more people wanted to hear it. And then I started to share my health. So I, I never had any intention of ever being in front of the camera, but it ended up leading to it. And my show is me having incredible women that I get to talk to, that I get to learn from. And again, when I started it, I said, this show needs to be for me. Because if I'm not learning, how am I going to serve other women and other audience? So I get guests on that I just find fascinating. They are, you know, all different types of women from all spectrums. And I just go deep. I have really honest conversations and I'm always trying to learn. So that's on my podcast, Women of Impact. And then, yeah, I just today announced my book, um, which is super exciting because again, I actually announced, hey guys, I'm writing a book, so come along with me to find out how the hell to write a book because I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) Um, But that's, that's how I do things because I'm so bad at pretending that I'm just like, well, I may as well just invite people on the journey and show like how I really learn along the way because I'm not naturally good. I'm not naturally gifted at things. And that's okay. Like my superpower is the fact that you can't stop me even when I don't know something. And I love of that. And I remind myself that I use the language like superpower because it makes me feel good about myself. As you can see on my, you know, behind where I'm sitting, I have, you know, superheroes and figurines and hats that say unbreakable. Like I surround myself with this stuff to empower me every single day that when I don't feel good about myself, when I have that negative voice that rears its ugly head, which happens all the time. Mm You know, no matter how much I've done, no matter, it doesn't matter. It's like the way you feel about yourself, no one can change that. And so I'm all about how do I overcome it? And that's what my book is about. That is about how to, um, how to show up. It's not about confidence. It's to show up when you don't have the confidence mm-hmm. to get what you want. I love that. So that should be, yeah, thank you. And so anyone that's looking to learn anything more about me, I actually just launched my website, lisabillu.com and then Instagram, lisabillu killing it i love it i love it i love it because it's, it's it's funny because i mean it, it, it's all it's always been a personal goal of mine to write a book um but like you you know like you said you know you you've never written one before but you have because you know the difference between us doing this podcast the only difference is we're speaking when it's not written down um so in theory the women of impact and everything else you've been writing your book well, depending on your whole story, since you've been born, you've been writing your story, yeah, your book. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, it's it, it. But I'm I'm super intrigued as because it's I I I recently read this other book called Breath, which is about the power of breathing through your nose. Mm. So you know, I run for miles now and only breathe through my nose, and it's marvelous, amazing. But you know, but he he narrated his own audio book, so I wanted to know like what was the process of doing that, and he said it was horrendous. His AC was went out. He was, you know, COVID had just hit. He had to create his own little mini studio. He was sweating every day, dripping with sweat while doing this podcast. I was like, wow, the process. And it's a hugely successful book, an audio book. 
Um, Because again, it's the process, it's not the end goal. But I'm super intrigued by that. I don't think anyone's ever done, well, I've never read any anyone, you know, every step of the way, the actual process of the writing mm. of the book. I think it's fucking genius. Hmm. And you, Thank I'm, you. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean... Well, I, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sharing all of that on my social because I have no yeah. clue, clue what I'm doing. Even to the point where when the age, lit agent actually reached out to my husband and said, hey, would your wife be interested in writing a book? When Tom came and told me, I was in the middle of working and he came into my office and he's like, hey, babe, so just in case you didn't, like, I just got a text message from like this lit agent and they really, they want you to do a book. And I was like, oh, that's sweet. And I kind of just went on to write and he's standing there staring at me. He's like, babe, did you hear what I said? I said, yeah, I said, that's really sweet. He's like, are you not going to consider it? And I just looked at him and I was like, but who would buy my book? (laughs) Right, like, like, and that, that's another story that I want to tell of like how we automatically the negative voice rears its ugly head without you even realizing that it's doing it. Um, but it's okay. It's okay to like have that negativity mm-hmm. and then go, hang on a minute. What do you mean? But, and then it's, well, hang on. Even if no one does buy the book, it's interesting to like write one yeah. and what's the process and what can I learn? And that was how I ended up instead of focusing on will the book sell yes or no, which of course I'm focused on but that wasn't the the decision that wasn't what made the decision it was like oh but I can learn how to do it and that mm-hmm. was like the I exciting love that. thing that that's the situation of the act before you think <laughs> mm, that's interesting yeah 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 you Good know, point. <laughs> no, no procrastinating you know what yes I'm I, my initial thought was yes I'm there yeah I love it so thank cool. you so much I, I seriously this has been an absolute blessing I'm I'm on a, 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 a higher vibration because of this conversation 